doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a mix of a weekend because Friday was just amazing. I was in Brooklyn in East New York where I'm from with my family did a, and friends did a little, like a small little uh, premiere party. Yeah. So that was really nice. I'm surrounded by love and celebration of people who had been with me this whole time. But then Saturday morning, found out that my aunt's not doing very well. Yeah, so it's kind of like the highest high and low low. So like, it's teaching me that life is really not to be feared. I'm trying to grasp onto that. It's been a really hard lesson. And, you know, we have no control over these things. But more than one thing could be true at once to accept all of those things and to make room for all of it. So that's what this weekend has been about reflecting, being excited, seeing the great response and the love for Robin in Project Powers. Because I've been working a long time for this, so to get such a, like a massively great response has been like the icing on the cake. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. So first of all, let me just introduce myself. Hi, I'm Akria Jamfi from the British Blacklist. And please, could you introduce yourself, Dominique? Hi, my name is Dominique Fishback. My job title is the heroine with a thousand faces. <laughs> That's because I, I've never wanted to limit myself to one thing. I was captain of my basketball team. I played football in middle school. I was safety. I'm still a good quarterback. My senior year in high school, I won prom queen. I was valedictorian and I was captain of my basketball team. So I always felt like, oh, that's a movie. That's like a movie. Like, you know, we always try to pe put people in a box. And I feel like I'm all these things. I love to paint. I'm an actor. I'm a writer, spoken word poet. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm all of the things. And so that idea of being a heroine with a thousand faces is to say that there's so many things that I want to do in my life and so many things that I feel like I represent in, inside. I'm from Brooklyn, I'm from East New York. And uh, yeah, that's me. I mean, you know, actually in the UK, oh, I, suppose, I say in the UK, but I'm sure this is pretty much a global thing for black folks. I find that the circumstances that we're put into means that we have to try a lot of things because for me personally, it's like never knowing which one's gonna land and make us the most comfortably successful. We do a bunch of things and see where it lands. But which of those things, I don't know if that's something that you've ever felt, but also which, which gets your juices flowing the most? Is it, I mean, obviously you don't do basketball and football right anymore, or, or do you? I mean, I play basketball in the park and I, every time I get a chance, I'm throwing a football. Okay. You know, uh, <laughs> so I started acting and writing at fifth at this very same time, and so they always went hand in hand. So I don't they don't separate for me. So that would be the most exciting part is to act on camera and on stage, but also do my own my own words, my own pieces. I have a one woman show called Subverted, and it's about the destruction of Black identity in America. And I play twenty plus characters, and uh, that gets me most excited because it represents my people, represents areas like mine you know and it has spoken word poetry it has acting it has all the range of emotion it has comedy it has a bunch of things so i think i get most excited when i get to act subverted i mean i saw this in when i was looking through your um your work life i was like okay so 22 characters how how did you get there and why why because i was gonna ask what it's about and you said what it's about so i understand that so i mean why 22 characters um, I never set out to make it 22 characters. They just they just wanted to be in the show. They were like, no, I'm here too. So that's how it happens. It, sometimes it fluctuates depending on where I did it. Like, you know, I might say, you know, I only have an hour and 20 minutes and I'm doing the show at nine, 7 o'clock and they want me to do it at 9 as well. So is there something that I can make a little bit shorter? You know, so it kind of fluctuates. That's why I say 20 plus. 
I saw my first one-woman show when I was about 16 in the theater group, and it was called No Child by Elijah Sun. And I saw her transform before my eyes, you know, like where she would be sit, like she would change body language and become the characters. I think we were used to seeing solo shows where somebody would do a monologue and change clothes and do a monologue. But this was, it blew my mind because she was switching direction, talking to herself and switching back. And it felt like you were watching so many people on stage. And I remember coming home and journaling and saying, God, please, please let me be able to do a one woman show like her, please. And then, uh, I remember my theater director when I was in the company said, oh, you can do that. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? So I was really excited about that. And then when I got to college, I went to Pace University. And a lot of times I was the only black person in my class. And I was in a sociology class. And this white boy said, if African-American males in low-income communities dressed normally, they wouldn't be stopped by the police. (laughs) And I was furious. And I looked around and nobody was there. Nobody, there was no other black people. Nobody could advocate with me. And so instead of getting mad, I said, well, I have to do this thesis to graduate. For an hour and 20 minutes, this predominantly white university will have to sit in my truth and, and the truth of people who come from neighborhoods like mine. Granted, that guy, he probably never seen the show, but it didn't matter because as a representation of my people and the area that I come from, I knew that I was going to a private university so that people could learn about me and where I come from. And I'm sure that other people were going there too so that other people could learn. And if I stayed quiet and didn't tell my truth, then I would be doing a disservice, not just to myself, not just to the people of my neighborhood, but to the people who don't even know and want to know. I took that responsibility really seriously. And I had one homecoming queen at Pace as well. So I felt a little bit like a liaison, like people knew my heart, they knew my personality. They knew that whatever I was saying was coming from a a true place and not a place of of saying that you're wrong and this is against you is just saying this is the fact of the matter. Now we can have a conversation about it if you would like, but this is the fact of the matter. I'm, I'm vibing off your energy because that's a true sense of soul. And the fact that you were able to turn that into a piece of art that people can interpret in a different way, because sometimes us just having to tell people and explain the black experience can be so tiring and so draining. Something like Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, that originated as a, a one-woman play. I don't know if you watched I May Destroy You, but how that's resonated for the first time, especially in the UK. We grew up on African-American culture rather than having our own staple British black culture on screen. So I May Destroy You has been groundbreaking for so many reasons. Could you see Subverted becoming a TV show and an extended version of? Well, I want Subverted to be a Netflix special. I wanted to live on stage first in the form, on the biggest stage, which is Broadway, in the form that it was created for, but it definitely has the space to do many things. Like it can be a a Netflix special. I always thought that it could be an animated series or a graphic novel. I like how Regina King had been doing uh, the boondocks, both those characters, like, you know, like, so if I'm already doing different voices, then if Subverted was an animated series, I could do all of them as well. My main character, she's just starting out in college. So we get some, we get like one, instance in a classroom with her but we don't really get to see that now if it was a world of tv and film then we get to see her travel and navigate the world we get to see tyshawn which is one of my favorite characters he's a mix of like three of my cousins okay and he's so funny but when you first meet him he's he's rapping tupac lyrics and he's rolling a blunt and so with Severda, i felt like you'll get to put a face to an idea Mm-hmm. You'll hear Tyshawn talking, you'll hear him say some sexist things, but you'll hear him love his cat, his cousin the most. 
because nobody is all perfect. And then you saying that this could be a Netflix special, you have this relationship already, because I mean, they should be like, yeah, sure, anything you want now, because ah, hopefully <laughs> you don't good in Project Power. So can you tell us a bit about Robin? I mean, Robin's amazing. Um, however, you tell me about Robin. Yeah, Robin is, I felt like she's a manifestation of who I was as a, as a teenage girl. Um, obviously the circumstances are, are different. Thankfully my mom is healthy and I didn't have to resort to the things that she resorted to. When people saw me perform spoken word poetry and saw me on stage, they gravitated towards it and they said, they made me feel like that was my superpower. Mm. I was seen when I was on stage doing spoken word and when I was acting. So I like, like her, I tapped into that at an early age. And um, my, it was my mom who said, you know, you're so dramatic. I think you could really do it, you know? And so I had like the way that art, the way that Jamie's character says, this is your superpower. Take that and run with it basically is uh, kind of the same thing for me. She's intelligent. She's forgiving. She's loving. She's kind. I think that when people have been asking, oh, what's her superpower besides rapping? I would say that her, her superpower is to see people for who they really are. You know, everybody's putting up a facade and other people are being blinded by that facade, but not Robin. You know, she sees art for who he is. She sees Frank for who they are or who they really want to be. And she grabs onto that and she grabs on without ever letting go. The one that's evident, and it's also something, again, metaphorically, which is interesting considering what we've just spoken about, it's kind of way black people have to be, right? We have to have that extra sense to suss people out because the world is so, it's like a minefield for us to navigate, you know, being from a marginalized group, as it were. I love the metaphor for that. I mean, the obvious thing is what's it like working with Jamie? But that's like, I mean, you're never going to say he was an arsehole, are you? So. <laughs> so it because he wasn't, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, because he wasn't. But because um, I think I read that Ariel Shulman and Henry Juiced right they said that they it was important that they found someone that could keep up with jamie and also move ahead of him when it was time so that's a testament to you that the fact that they chose you and the fact that they felt that you could hold your own against someone who has a legend such as jamie so i suppose how did you stand in your truth and not feel intimidated being in the presence and even joseph gordon levitt that's really interesting because in the chemistry test with jamie was really divine it felt out of this world like jumping up and down with the cast and director excited. This was the room, everybody was excited. And then I didn't get the part. And then a whole month later, it came back that they wanted me to have the part because the other amazing actress, she was doing something else and the schedule wouldn't, wouldn't fit. And so when I did my audition, I wasn't intimidated because I've been doing this for so long. I felt like this is God's divine gift to me. Like I, I am an actor, like this is what I do. And so I wasn't afraid in that sense. I, w I felt ready. I felt like James going to, I'm going to follow him. I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I came here to do. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to represent Robin. And same with Joe, like I'm going to speak when I feel like I, I want to speak and I'm not going to be shy about those things. But the first day I felt so bad. I was like, what if they want this other person? She couldn't do it. And like, but Henry and Ralph said, as soon as Jamie and I did the screen test when in New Orleans, like they were like, oh, everything clicked. Jamie was so encouraging. I mean, like he does this one thing. He was on his live and I was like running to the bathroom. He was like, no, Dominique, come here. And he like put me on his live. And he's like, she's the better actor than all of us in this damn movie. And I was like, that's nice. He said, no, it's true. She made me get my stuff together. Right. And like, so to hear him say that, I was like, oh, okay. Like there was so many moments where they both were just so celebratory of what I was doing. So encouraging that I didn't have to dwell in that place that I was on the first day. So that really only stayed the first day and then by the second and third and for four months after that, I 
was really feeling like I knew Robin and it was who I was supposed to be. And that was like just a testament of letting go and letting God, you know, because I really wanted it. And I had to be like, okay, that's the reality. It's not going to be me. And then it came back around. But this is a thing, again, life lesson, because things might not necessarily come to you the way you expect it. But then now I'm sure anyone else on second, like couldn't imagine it, who else it could be because you did the role so well. And I think Robin is someone that would talk her truth anyway. She not, doesn't take no prisoners. The conversation we're having in the UK is about representation and visibility on screen and other narratives. So did you have any reservations at all about it being set in the hood and you being like a drug dealer and also on the back of maybe your break, one of your breakout roles being um, Darlene in the, ju- in the Juice as a prostitute and so things like that. Or is it a matter of like, that those things don't matter. It's what you bring to the character and how that character is portrayed. Oh, I definitely have reservations. Even with, like, I, I mean, this is not a secret. I told George Truman Jr., the director of The Hate You Give. When I first got the audition for Kenya, I had just come from doing Night Comes On, which I got out of juvie and was, like, on a, in an indie film on a mission that killed my dad. Mm. You know what I mean? So I was like, I don't, I really want to show versatility. I, I don't want to get put in a, a box. So then, you know, to see Kenya, like, the audition side is like, they go that trick Asia. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but, um, I did my self-tape and I told myself, you know, I'm just going to do this self-tape. I'm going to go to Greece and go on my vacation. And if they want me, they want me. If they want to see me again and I'm in Greece, then I just, that's just going to be what it's going to be. And I booked the audition off of the self-tape. And I told myself, if, if I got the role, then it was because I was supposed to do it. It was because I know girls like her. I know people from neighborhoods like that. And I will respect her and I will make sure that she's just not the butt of the jokes that any scenes that she gets, she will have the emotional capacity to show as much different versions of her that I could possibly show. And being able to advocate for her in that way and not being afraid to speak up about it. So I often say these characters, like they, they find me because I'm like, no, I want to do an epic romance. Can that be, be Juliet? And then they'll be like, oh, but wait, before you do that, like, just can you come with us real quick? So... Then I'll read the script and I'll say, oh, yeah, my soul is like, yeah, Dom, you have to do this. This is for you. But with Robin, when the log line came out and they were like, oh, a teen dealer. I said, who are they talking about? Like, I really was like, who is a teen drug dealer? It really shocked me. And then I was like, oh, okay." But it's because Robin is so well written by Max and Tomlin. She is a full character. We know what she cares about. We know who she loves. We know her passions. We know her fears. She's a full person. So... I didn't think about it like that. And in fact, the only time she sells a drug is in the first scene. So is she a drug dealer? Just like she says to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, why is he a bad guy? Because he's done some bad things. Mm -hmm. You do bad things too. So could we say she's a teen dealer or should we say she's someone who had sold a drug before? What classifies somebody to be all of something? And so no, with this one, I didn't have any reservations about the hood or about anything because she was so much fun on the paper. I said, oh, I'm going to have a good time with her. Oh, I get to get thrown in trunks. Yeah. Oh, I get to run the streets of New Orleans with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx. Like, yeah. there was no question about that. It was no question about that at all. And thankfully, I have Judas and the Black Messiah coming out after. So, like, we had to do reshoots in October of 2019 for Project Power. And literally the day after doing these reshoots, I left that set, flew to Cleveland, and took on Deborah Johnson. And so, like, to me, it's only, like, a testament of, like, the gift that God gave me to be able to do these things. And it's the power of being able to show versatility or, or being able to show my truth being from the hood mm-hmm. and saying that's not all of who I am and that's not all of who we are and we could be many things. 
you know, I made this like, it was like a little silly video that I put on my story on Instagram, but it was like, um, I was listening to Girls, Girls, Girls by Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And it's the part where he says, I got this black chick, she don't know how to act, always talking out of neck, making a finger snap, right? Yeah. So like in the video, I said, you know, always talking out of neck, making a finger snap. Like I did it real hard. And I wrote this whole post about amplifying the fact that like, when we come from places like this, we have so many parts of us. There's so, you know, it's, um, and to not shy away from the way that I talk, or if I do talk hard, if I do talk on my neck sometimes, like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I do do that. You know, sometimes I do talk like this, but I have so many different versions of me and we have so many, we're so multifaceted and most multi-layered. And so as an artist, maybe if I don't do the traditional thing of shying away from that part of me, I'm easy to transmute because I, I respect the art of acting. But who I am in my real life or all the parts of me, I don't I shouldn't have to transmute them to to show that I'm all the things too. I, and I think that's powerful because we are made to feel ashamed of the parts of us that it basically is like not showing out in front of the white folks. We've been brainwashed into being embarrassed of our ism. Yeah. And I like that because it is especially being, you know, we've got we've got shadism and colorism within our into community and then it's always like potentially the darker skinned girls are neck snappy and, and you know yeah. uh-uh. aggressive and hood and then aren't afforded the luxury of being someone you know just chilling out in a rom-com as you said or just having a luxurious life or whatever yeah. so, but well, it, rom-coms and not being the best friend you well, know right exactly but if you are the best friend what is your life outside of being everything for this person why are you so invested I have nothing else going on with your own life. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's a little thick thing to carry around with all of us in whatever field we work in, that our isms make us, define, don't, not define us, but they make us every part of our fabric. So we shouldn't and, be embarrassed. And to be honest, like when I started being myself and really truly bringing Dom to my auditions, that's when I started booking them. It was like I opened a freaking portal of knowledge or something. I was like, oh, because... My first big TV thing that I did was Show Me a Hero with David Simon, who also wrote The Deuce. And my audition, like my character was telling her boyfriend that she was pregnant. And Marcy Phillips, the casting director for ABC in in New York said, you know, Dom, you have such a great smile. If there's ever a time where you can organically do that and for a character, you should try to do that. I said, okay, so I'm looking at the side, like what is a Dom thing to do? What, What can I do that's grounded in the character, but also me? And so when she told her boyfriend, she says, me pregnant, I don't know. But instead of saying it one time, I ended up saying it like three times. And at the end, I kind of was like, me, like pregnant, big, I don't know. Like I made like a joke. And then the casting director, Alexa Fogel, she was like, oh, that's, that's weird. But uh, we're going to keep it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to keep it. And I was like, I mean, I could do it. Oh, but she's like, no, no, we're going to keep it. And I took the mic and I was like, oh, you know, like, um, and then a month later, I got a call back a whole month. I was like, I didn't even get a call back. Like, I know I made a, maybe it was a weird choice. I think it was strong. Like they could have just gave me direction. Like I'm really not going to get a call back. And then they said, oh, you're like an audience favorite for it. And they just want you to come in and see the director and the creators. Um, yeah. So bringing Dom to something really started allowing me to book things. Judas and the Black Messiah, working alongside our very own Daniel Kaluuya. Yay! And me, and Lakeith Stanfield, and everybody else in that. But apart from that, Deborah Johnson, madam. So this is a very pivotal role. 
just in a nutshell, I'm sure you can't say too much, but just, you know, it's, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely life-changing. Uh, one, to be, you know, one of the only females in a heavily male-dominated cast and yeah. to always be shown respect, not just on set, but off set, not just in the character, but also in my ideas. You know, you could very easily go to a set where you have a suggestion and it could be looked over or not valued and it was always valued and it was always celebrated. Like it was my first time being with so many men and feeling like protected and yeah, respected. And like hopefully it shows in the in the movie. Yeah, I love I love your very own Daniel Kaluuya. He is phenomenal. I told him he was the best friend a girl could ask for. So uh, yeah, so I, like I'm just I'm so excited for everybody to to see the movie. I just think that so many people don't know who Chairman Fred was, and um, if anything, this will be an introduction to see all the things that he's done and really get a, a different idea of who the Black Panther Party members were and what it meant to the United States on a scale where they don't get credit for you know the free breakfast program and all of these things. I also got to write uh, my own poem. My character, Deborah Johnson, she says it in the movie. And like, that was Shaka's idea. You know, when I first read the script, you know, I gave him all the good things that I loved. And I said, well, I have two thoughts. If you want to hear them, he's, I don't want to overstep. He's like, you can't overstep. You'll be playing her. Let me know. And, you know, I was very adamant about making sure that we represented the women well. I don't know how it came out because so many things are out of people's control and you can only do what you're going to do. So um, there's that. But then also the idea that the Panthers were very poetic people and just hoping that they would kind of acknowledge that. And he was like, oh, well, yeah. He was like, you want to take a shot at that phone? I was like, sure. So I did and it made it through many versions of the script. And I'm really excited to like, not only get to share my face, my voice, my likeness, my body with this story, but also like my brain is something that I've been learning about and caring about for so long to put that little part of me in it as well is just like beyond what I could imagine. So I'm just really excited. It's been so lovely to talk to you, Dominique. It was great. See you later. Take care.